Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Roller coaster ride at Wrigley Field continues. Welcome in to the Windy City Podcast on a snowy week. And the Cubs coming off a win as we record today. Seven and nine tied for fourth place. Two and a half games back in that end. L Central. Real fast before we get going here, yesterday, 35 years since Michael Jeffrey Jordan scored 63 in Boston Garden. He had 31 two nights before the end of the regular season. They beat the Washington Bullets at home to clinch a playoff spot, getting that 30th win on the year, 30 and 52. I remember being at the game, I remember sitting behind the basket. I remember Jordan having a terrible night shooting, but I remember him spiking the basketball, jumping up, spreading his legs out, and spiking it as the Bulls had clinched a playoff spot. And, of course, he had fought back, reduced minutes, eight minutes a half, gradually increasing, meltdown Indiana where John Paxson hit a game winner, got reminded of that in the last dance, and then 63 in the garden. Hard to believe for me. 35 years ago, 35 I was 12. I'm 47. Please stop moving time this quickly. Truly incredible. Uh, But that team was so incredibly bad. Kyle Macy, Charles Oakley was a rook. Actually, that's a decent part. Granville Waiters was your starting center. RIP. Dave Corzine, the backup. Has there ever been a worse center combination in the history of basketball? I'm pretty sure there wasn't. Gene Banks was coming off that bench. Kyle Macy and John Paxson, maybe the slowest guard combo in the history of the league. I mean, they were straight awful. But somehow, someway, Mike had them in double overtime against the NBA champions-to-be. That Boston Celtics team was simply incredible. A lot of people like to dog on Mike. He was 1-9 before uh, they started winning in the playoffs. He was going up against the Bucks, who were incredible and were only beaten by the Celtics, and the Boston Celtics of Bird, Parrish, and McHale with a roster that was just straight atrocious. 86-87, it didn't get any better. So, anyway, 35 years ago, Michael Jeffrey was 63 in the Garden. He did miss one open jumper from the left wing. If you go back and watch it in the first overtime, if he makes that shot, I think they win the basketball game which is slightly painful even to think about now. Dewindy City Podcast is brought to you today by Danette May and Mindful Health LLC, featuring Danette May's top superfood product from her Earth 
Echo Foods line, Cocoa Bliss. Nothing feels better than being able to enjoy rich, smooth, creamy chocolate and knowing you're doing something good for your body. They start with 100% organic cocoa beans, naturally kissed by the sun. That sounds delicious. Maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then they blend in the turmeric, the MCT oil, the coconut, the Himalayan sea salt, the cinnamon, the black pepper. For the perfect blend to make you feel the best you have ever felt. The result, you fall in love with the truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate. Removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. And not only that, it's friendly to paleo, gluten-free, keto, vegan, vegetarian diets. For the last eight years, they've been a leader in the superfoods market and are proud to have served millions customer-wide. They're giving you 15% off if you use the code MINUTE15, M-I-N-U-T-E-15. You go to earthechofoods.com. You put in the promo code Minute 15, minute 15, you get 15% off and go get those 100% organic cocoa beans. I just put in an order myself looking forward to consuming the product. All right, without further ado, the Windy City Podcast with Jordan Burnfield, Brian Beto starts right now. Showtime. One out, nobody on. Javier Baez will be the batter. He struck out his first time. Baez now with a... League leading 28 strikeouts. MVP runner up in 2018. 2019, he had a terrific year, hit 29 home runs, 847 OPS. Struggled last year and struggling so far this year. And he goes down swinging on the cutter. And Walker's got seven strikeouts now, second time he's gotten bias. You know, this sounds better. Like I oh. listened to it in the car the last week one, and it was substantially better. You are such a a radio nerd we're putting it's it is it, it impresses <laughs> why me. Are, why are you blaming and getting mad at others i'm not for, mad for, or, for the I'm, fact I'm, that you a, want this like crap sounding crap best no 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 no, no is no, already no. crap no i i want the best sounding <laughs> terrible show that we could possibly have <laughs> you're gonna so get it about I'm, the terrible team we could that we can yes. talk about i i think that you're just uh you guys are jumping in here. It feels like mid podcast. I've been trying for 20 minutes to figure out how to get my microphone to work. So Jordan and Brian could hear me. And we're doing this because we would normally be on the phone. At least we have been on the phone, but Jordan is uplifting this podcast to good sounding levels that we are doing this on zoom with microphones. Beto's pulled out his microphone from his closet since the last time that B squared was rolling, which was what? 2012. 15, 16, 19. We definitely we, did it in 16. We okay. did it in 16 and we've done some spotty ones, but not consistently since 16. Yeah. No. We, we brought the foresight was there. We knew we had a shot and we pulled it out in 16 because, and we did it every day in 2010. And we're like, if we're going to do this every day for two hours for a team that bad, we're definitely going to do at least a weekly one for a team that could finally. Wait, hold on a second. You they literally did it. did it every day. Two hours every day, Monday through in Friday. In 2010, yes. Their best prospects were Andrew Kashner and Darwin Barney. You were so ahead of the curve. You saw the future. You, you went down the path, and then you both just had other things happen to you, and, like, life happened. Yes. Correct. All <laughs> right, so here, I want to start today on the field uh, with the shortstop. Beto, I can see you smiling. I said... This podcast is about me just underlining things where I got it got it right once. 
his body type and his violent swing, once things started to slow down just a little bit, it was not going to go well for Javi Baez. And I'm not a swing doctor or whatever, but that's what it looks like to me. Because if you if you really watch the Cubs right now and you watch Javi at bats, there are hittable balls that he is just missing. Hanging sliders, fastballs that are in the low 90s. He would not have missed those balls. In, in, in 2016, 2017, even you know, past it, those balls are landing on Waveland Avenue or they're they're hit hard to the gap, or they're certainly not one after another. So something's wrong. I don't know if it's he's putting too much pressure on himself or if Father Time has already caught up to him, but he is it is stunning how bad he is right now. And I don't know how you can sit here and say, like, you know, sign Javi to a long term deal. You just, you, there's no way that they, they have to be, they got to be pivoting, is what I'm getting at. So you're saying that his pace for 313 strikeouts this year is not ideal because <laughs> is that I what I agree is? with that? I have to first start with the admission that I was wrong about Javi Baez and 15 and 16, because Beto, you'll remember that I kept saying that I thought at the time that Addison Russell was the better option at short because it seemed he fit the profile of what Theo and Jed were trying to build than what Baez did. As it turns out, we were wrong because even though Baez really never fit the profile, his overall game was just so exceptional for several years that I completely ate it on that take. And you can send it to old takes exposed and, and make fun of me for that. But I always thought that as good as Baez has been, that because of the way he approaches hitting, there was always going to be a great risk that he was going to go into prolonged slumps because he doesn't make adjustments. The few times in his career that he has where he's been going well and he drives the ball to right center field and he's been able to stay back a little bit on those sliders in the dirt, he's been an elite hitter. But you get those in fleeting moments. He, as an entity right now, I mean, he's been terrible so far. He was terrible last year. And... I think they offered him, what was it, $180 million that he turned down? I think he's going to be regretting it. Right now, he's not getting a big deal from anybody because he is not productive enough as an offensive player to justify the complete lack of production in so many at-bats. Like, there are so many lost at-bats with Javi Baez that the only way to justify it is for him to be what he was in 2018, and I don't know that we're ever going to see that consistently. Beto, is he the worst player you've ever seen? Literally ever. <laughs> like, worse than 2009, like Aaron Miles. Oh, bad. that was bad. Like, backup catcher. I'm trying to think of a bad backup catcher we've had. I can't really think of all, because all we all love backup catchers in Paul Chicago. Bacco? Paul Bacco. How many, how many great, games great in a receiver. row? Great receiver. Tyler Houston, great hitter off the bench, left-handed for a backup catcher. I don't want to cut you off, but I have some trivia for you, and then you can give me your bias take, please. Uh, how yes. many games How many games do you think this year he has not struck out in? One. Correct. One time. Wow. That's pretty April good. 5th against the Brewers in a 5-3 Cubs win. Baez was one for three with a run scored. Uh, he homered. And he got hit by a pitch. Other than that, he struck out in every single game all year. That is amazing. And his last streak, four last night, we're recording on Wednesday. Two, three, one, three, one, two, three, one, one, two, 
three, the one zero, and then one, one, and then opening day, he struck out three times against the pirates. Dude, he has 31 strikeouts and 60 at bats. I mean, he's striking. Yeah. It's a 48% strikeout rate. Yep. Yeah. Uh, That's amazing. No, it's over 50%. It's 31 out of 60. I mean, it's, but Oh, maybe that was going into last night. Let me preface it. Cause you know, I have to hedge. I always do by saying that you, you do have to take the good with the bad or the bad with the good, right? Like he's always going to be, that's part of what makes him great is that eclectic personality and the dynamic risk-taking bold moves that he makes and how he, you know, can swing for the fences at times. Yes, that's partially true. However, I think you both brought up the two biggest points for me as to like what the biggest problems are. One is the adjustment piece that, that Jordan, you touched on, like, I get like, you're going to have to take some of the bad with the good, but at some point you also have to adjust when pitchers just aren't giving in to you. And like, I think it was the other night or last night, there was a three, one count and everyone occasionally swings at a bad pitch on three, one, but he swung at a slider, like five feet off the plate. And it wasn't a one-off occurrence. It happens consistently. Um, but I honestly think the biggest red flag for me because his chase rate isn't that much different than it normally is. It's the fact that he's missing fastballs right down the middle of the plate. And and Carm, you alluded to this too. He's not catching up to the heat. Like they are just challenging the dude in the way they've never had because they know he hasn't been able to catch up to it. So I don't know what the reasoning is. If it's a mechanical, it's putting too much pressure, but his swing and miss rate. And this is a problem of, with a lot of the Cubs, not just him, but it's magnified with bias by the fact that he is just whiffing at fastballs that are middle, middle, probably more than I've ever seen in his career for sure. But really for anyone of his talent, I've, I, I've seen in recent memory, it's, it's remarkable in a bad way. Well, and, and speaking of, he's not alone. Let's bring in our guy, Jock Peterson, who the Cubs just absolutely had to have couldn't pay Schwarber had to go get Jock. I, uh, how many games has Jock Peterson not struck out in this year, Jordan? I'm going to go one as well. Vito? Three. Three is correct. Hmm. Wow, I'm, going, job, I'm going to the horseshoe after this. It's, yeah. it's done. His last. Hold on. Let me check my, 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 uh, my points bet account. I'm going to get my, uh, my hat or my cap tip of the week and see what I can get on points bet tonight. <laughs> Chronologically go, going back three, zero, one, 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 two, one, one, two, zero, one, 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 zero, three, two, 20 K's from Jack Peterson. And let me tell you something. If you watch the game last night, it is hard to find somebody look worse at the plate. The dude swinging at fastballs that are, it's already in his mitt Jack. Yeah. The, the slider that he struck out, I think the second time last night, look like when you're playing a video game and it malfunctions and you hit the swing key and it just doesn't respond <laughs> and it, the ball is already in the glove. And then you swing like two seconds later, like Henry Rowan like, Gardner. Yes. <laughs> I, I was just watching this thinking, dude, you're, you're not even close. Yeah. Man. And this is, but he had a great spring training, spring training legend. <laughs> I'm going to head. This is where I hedge though. I I'm less concerned about, he's been terrible. You're right. But about Peterson, I think he'll, he'll turn it around because the track records is there. And also like, these are problems that he hasn't always had. So I think it's going to be correctable. So like, for example, he, he has, like I said, last week, he's been above average as a contact guy the last couple of years. And you know what his OPS hit velocity, is right now, though? like 400, probably 498. 
that's incredible. It's really good. Yeah. So they, I, I just think that, and maybe I'm wrong, but it, I think his track record would help. And A, he's always, B, he's been a, a good velocity hitter on top of it. So one of the reasons why they brought him in is because he was one of the, because these Cubs can't hit fastballs up in the zone. And he's been a guy that's been able to make contact and hit fastballs really hard. So that was one of the reasons why they made the trade-off in theory. It just hasn't worked out. But I'm, I'm, if, I, if Jock Peterson's a stock, not that he's not more than a penny stock right now, I'm buying it because I think he's got a good chance to, to turn it around. So I so. got a, uh, I, okay. You, 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 uh, I'll buy Ethereum and or Bitcoin and, and, and throw my money at something that's way overpriced before I'm putting money into Jock. Here's my lineup, by the way, as I look at the Cubs stats. I want guys who don't strike out. You know who doesn't strike out on this team? Jordan. If you go to Eric Sogard, here we go. Yep. Here uh, we oh, go. he's coming. I love Eric Sogard at his 172 <laughs> average. But you, there's one guy on this team that has not struck out once who's got more than 10 at-bats. Anybody want to guess? Um, I'm going to just guess somebody totally random. Is it Matt Duffy? It, it is Matt Duffy. Oh, no. Square gets the prize. Yes, he's hitting 091. But whatever. <laughs> it says here that he, <laughs> he plays no- third. He's in like three double plays too and 10 at bats. I just pulled up his stats. No strikeouts and 11 at bats. Yeah. No strikeouts and 11 at bats. That's my starting third baseman. Chris Bryant, go out to left field. Jock, we'll see you in July. Uh, Like, and, and, and Javi, uh, look, uh, how many times Eric Sogard has struck out five times. Now he's hitting 172. But don't tell me, Beto, tell me you don't feel more comfortable with a runner on second and, and you need a base hit that you, you have more confidence in Sogard over Baez right now. You definitely do. No, I, I'm not disagreeing. Okay. I, I agree. I think, nodding his head too. I, I, I'm not disagreeing. I, I, I do. I, I think I also, in situations where there's a runner on, I know it's we, every team, every team's fans thinks that the runner, their team sucks with runners on third and less than two outs. But I, I agree with some of that, but the bottom line is, is if you like, this is one example, but Matt Duffy, if you, he's proven, he's not a, he's a, he's proven he's a below average hitter in the major leagues. So if you run him out and start him every day, your team is not going to be very good offensively. So right. I, I don't know adding him and taking jock out. Who's gotten a proven track record, even though I agree, he's been absolutely abysmal and unwatchable at the plate is just, I don't think it's, necessarily answer however I, I i understand maybe you're just being you know with hyperbole of just throwing all the guys in that no. don't strike out and see what happens no Can i like, say this though carm because one day I, I get the i get the larger point you're making that we're going through these stars that have sucked and why they're killing the team but because i'm a nerd and i had 10 minutes this morning i was looking at fan graphs to see if there was any cub that was even close to the league leaders in war, okay? In pitching or in offense. Chris Bryant is right now 15th in baseball in offensive war. He has been, even though, you know, if we want to go by Carm School and go batting average, his batting average is still below what would normally be the case for Bryant in a good year. But you look at his overall numbers, and he has been good offensively. No other Cub is even close. The reason I also bring this up is because I looked at the pitching. And there's nobody in the top 30 from the Cubs and pitching war either, even though I know Jake has been pretty good so far this season. 
which comes back to the point that I made last week, which is that even if some of these guys who have been terrible so far improve to something close to the mean of what they've been in their career, the pitching is still bad and it's still probably going to be bad. And while Jake has been really good so far, and I want to believe that he can keep this up, but I tend to believe it's probably due to conditions and who he's pitched against so far. You may agree or disagree. And I assume Kyle Hendricks will get better because he's obviously been terrible so far. Kyle Hendricks is generally great. So I assume that, you know, that will improve. I mean, Zach Davies isn't a 10 and a half ERA bad, but he's not a very good pitcher. The rest of the rotation is not any good. And, you know, I'm just, I'm not a believer in anyone in this bullpen, but I'm rooting like hell for Craig Kimbrell to be good so that they can ship him out of here. But I just look at it and I'm like, yes, their offense is horrible. And we could talk about how horrible it is, but objectively this still comes down to, for me watching this every day, like I've removed the worry about the day in and day out because I'm just resigned to the fact that they're bad. And I just am waiting to hear when Jed is going to kickstart the plan to make them not bad because we have been so lucky and spoiled as Cub fans that for the last seven years, they've been good every year and we haven't had to worry about this. But now that the impending implosion is coming, I just want to be prepared. Just give me some kind of sign of what they're going to do and what the plan is. And I'll sign up for that. But this is worse than that because right now you're just watching a team underperform with players that are probably good enough. If they all perform to some level close to what they should be could win 85 games. They're only two and a half back, Beto. <laughs> they are. It's it's a flawed division. Um, two but and a half I, back. If you were the the Rockies, are eight and a half back. We're right there, baby. I I I think. I, I mean, there's. I mean, the Cardinals are kind of a disaster right now too. Their their pitching is awful, awful. Uh, why is it awful comes. though? I don't get why their pitching is awful. They're, they mean, injuries. Like, Carlos Martinez is just brutal. Like, absolutely yeah. brutal. Adam Wainwright pitched great last night, but generally he's been really bad. They have some aging guys, injuries, um, some guys not living up to, to potential. But I, I, my pick was, I know we're way early, to win the division was the Brewers, and it was almost by default. The Brewers' offense stinks, too. It's not good. Yes. But they run out. 40% of their games, they run out Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns, and the Cubs can't come close to, to matching that, and they have two elite relievers on the back end. It's on, Kimbrell's kind of that one, but I, I just I – mean, we're going to get to the point. It seems like the calm before the storm where they're going to keep middling, and we the last case scenario we wanted is for them to be middling around the deadline and then figuring out what's the path if we're only two and a half back, for example, in mid-July, like – great. They could catch, but like, what does that really do long-term? And those are going to be some difficult decisions to be made. But in the meantime, it would just be helpful to like, for me, not gouging my gouging my eyes out to see some level of adjustment at the plate, because Jordan, you're right. Like they don't have great starting pitching by any stretch, but they have individual talent offensively. And it's just mind boggling that these guys aren't performing better and really haven't the last you know, two and a half, three years. Can I ask you this question though, guys? Like if they were to be in the situation that you just presented, Beto, like let's say for the sake of argument, they're close to the trade deadline, which is in August now, right? And they are three games out of a bad division. 
Okay, let's say the Brewers aren't first and they're four games over 500, which is possible, right? And the Cubs are three back, you know, around 500, but not very good. And they've got a bunch of guys middling, like you said. I mean, wouldn't, I know that it sounds ridiculous, but wouldn't the better path be to blow it up than to go for it? Oh, they're going to blow it up. There's, I don't think there's any doubt okay. that, that they I don't will. even feel like this is a discussion in terms of what they should do, right? Like if they're in that position that you said, Beto and Carmen, I mean, you, it sounds like you agree with me. Like if I'm Jed, I'm going, yeah, maybe we could make the playoffs and win this division with 84 wins, but we're not winning anything. So let's just, you know, let's just annihilate this thing. Let's get as many prospects as we can. But he, he's also said, I mean, and I asked him this and when they did the Darvish trade, like, hey, you know, all in, you, this is how you guys won. And his response was like, yeah, you know, that was the plan then. That doesn't need to be the plan now. Like, that's how we and, – and I think that he's saying that. And what he says doesn't matter. It's what they do. But I think he's saying that and maybe ultimately doing that because I don't think Ricketts wants to go to the bottom. I do think he's got some direction being requested above him by his bosses that he's got to follow. That's my guess. Um, but who knows? I, yeah, I, I think the middling thing, the only thing that could the caveat or variable and maybe why they wouldn't do that is, you know, simple ROI, right? Like if Kimbrell and Brian have been great for sure, but um, if they take a, if they get hurt or they stop performing well, or they're not, they don't feel like they're actually going to get anything back of value in return. I guess you can make the case to just like, let's ride it out. Cause we're not getting much. That's going to help our 22 club and beyond um, would be the only scenario, but I'm, I'm generally in agreement. And, and I, even though Jed says one thing, Carm to your last point, and he doesn't necessarily have to do that. I I've made that, argument as well is that that was the plan then because I feel like they didn't have another choice. They had literally zero building blocks and they they had no one on their current roster that they thought could be there in three years. That would still be a good player or two years. And I think you, you can look at Hendricks and if they decide to bring back Baez or Bryant, those guys could still be good in a couple of years they have some prospects that are a little bit closer um, to the majors than what they were. So but can I stop you there for a second though, Beto? Because yeah, it almost feels like they're not that far. I, I know it sounds crazy, but they may not be that far away from being where they were in 2012. And the reason I say that is if they're not going to invest in Baez or Bryant, which right now, I mean, unless you guys disagree, I would bet against them paying both. Okay. Yeah. Maybe you're going to pay Rizzo because you can get him on a friendlier deal because he's 32 when he starts his next contract. But it almost feels to me like they're in almost the same spot that they were in. I mean, a little bit better because they had nothing in the system at that time. They would rebuild the organization. But it's not that different in that if you're not going to re-sign Baez and you're not going to re-sign Bryant, then all you have is an aging first baseman who I love who is – you know, Mr. Cub, but aging, right? And you have one starting pitcher that still could projectively perform over the next three years in Hendricks. That's it. I mean, well, and, and your catcher and Contreras. Yeah. But you, I mean, whether or not you're going to pay Contreras, 
is also a question going yeah. forward, right? So like you might, Hap, if you decide not if to pay better. Yeah, but Hap is a guy at this point to me. Like you're, you're, you're at a point now where you're not all that far removed from having nothing again, which is crazy to think. But like, if we look at what they're likely to pay for, I don't think they're paying any of these guys except Rizzo. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I, I would just take, I, I just still think they're better off than what they were in 2012, even if they get rid of those guys because of the guys you mentioned. They had none of that then. No, none of that. So, uh, and, and, in, and in 2012, they, they had nothing and they were good three years later, like 97 win good from building right. with guys that they really didn't, that weren't, were draft picks in 13 and 14 and didn't make it to the majors till later. So I'm saying like, I think you're a lot closer from rebuilding and they rebuilt that in three years. And I think they are off to a better starting point than I guess they were in 20, 2012 when they first started, but we'll see. It's, it's kind of a depressing conversation that to be had, but to your point, we've been pretty spoiled the last several years, which is why we're going to end on a positive today. Number one, Craig Kimbrell. <laughs> Whoa, who are you? I know <laughs> I just, I've been wanting this for a moment for uh, about three minutes here. We're ending on a positive Craig Kimbrell, eight innings. His ERA is 0.00. He's Mr. Blutarski 0.0. The guy is, uh, he's doing it. And last night when the bases got loaded, I actually, I thought he was going to get out of it. Like he, he looks good. The stuff it's not, there's no miracle going on here. He's, he is 100% right now, the pitcher that they thought they were getting at the start. So I got a lot of confidence in him, even though he's walked five, which is a little too much, but overall the guy's just been fantastic. So Craig Kimbrell, congratulations. However you've done it, you brought yourself back. And to your point about Bryant and Baez, Jordan, I listen, I, I, if I had to bet on it, I suppose I would bet that they're both going to be gone, but Brian, I actually think he wants to stay. And I think the Cubs want to save some face. And maybe this is just me trying to be nice to myself at this moment and think this could be possible because this is what I want to have happen, but he's been their best player. The I don't think there's going to be an enormous market for him. Maybe I'll be dead wrong about that. And someone's going to pay huge money for Chris Bryant. Like they're paying, like they just paid for Francisco Lindor, who looks awful, by the way, in New York, you already are regretting that deal, even though you're probably not regretting that deal. That deal is going to be a nightmare. Uh, I, 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 I'm hold. I, Bryant's the only guy that's stepping up, man. OPS 977. He's got five homers. He's got four doubles. He looks good. I, so I'm not, I'm and he's not making adjustments, right? right. Yeah. To your point, he's, like he actually yeah. is changing something about his game because it wasn't working, which is right. I, what I love to see. Right. He had a base hit to right field the other day. Didn't try to do too much with it at all. Just stick it out there. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll do that. And the one thing I would also say is I was looking when I was doing all this fan graphs, nerdy research today, his BABIP is really low and he's still doing all this. So credit to Chris Bryant, although this Babbitt might be low because he hits the ball in the air so much. But I also think like he, to be fair to Chris Bryant, because I think a lot of Cub fans are not, when he's healthy, yeah. he's pretty consistently good. When he's not healthy, he's bad. But when he's healthy, which he appears to be right now, he has always been productive. And so I think we're seeing that. And listen, I would love for Chris Bryant to be on this team long-term if they're really going to compete. I just don't know if, if he's going to command the kind of money that he wants to get or thought he was going to get. 
I think that's going to price the Cubs out. I just don't see which them investing in it because of the inconsistency with his injuries. And which is ridiculous. Y'all can afford it. You're letting everybody else go. Pay one. Yeah. Pay, pay Bryant. He left, right, third, first, first class dude. Agreed. Has been has been a great player. Just pay him. Jesus. They can uh, raise the money. I have a plan. They can marquee can hire us and we can go ahead and the money we raise from the podcast goes directly into the player funds to bring back Chris Bryant. I've got a great opportunity for either of you and or both of you Friday night, by the way, sports broadcast solutions, outstanding entity. Uh, I'll be calling rec league baseball and uh, they're looking for a color commentator. It's in Bensonville. I'll tell my, I'll tell my wife, I'm going to forego her birthday dinner. They go call, (laughs) go call that game. Thoughts. Sarah Vito is why does it she was want to come to Bensonville? We, for- we literally haven't gone to dinner like inside in over a year, but now that we're we're a little bit more comfortable doing so. Nope, honey, can't do it. Gotta go to Bensonville. I'm getting pal. My, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting my second vaccination tomorrow. Speaking of pal. So, oh, you but you might even be going to Bensonville on Friday. You might be in on, riding the struggle bus nah, if you're getting it tomorrow. I'm I'm I I refuse to have anything bad happen to me. I'm going to feel you're going, great. you're going Michael Jordan well, flu game in Bensonville, aren't you? I'm, I, I, I'm drinking water. I'm, I'm having orange juice. I'm going to get a good workout. I'm going to, everything's going to be set up here. Knock on wood that somehow, somewhere I'm just going to feel fine. Uh, all right. Before we, we go here, how old were you on in 1986? Negative two, negative three. Is that right? 1986. What, when in 1986? I April. I was uh, six months old. I was one. 35 years ago, Michael Jeffrey Jordan was 63 in the garden. I don't know what the Cubs did that day on April 20th in 1986, but it belongs on the podcast. I heard some other Chicago team did something in 1986. January 26, 1986, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Bears. That was. Bears. Yes. What a great year to be alive. Jordan in the garden was 63. Bears went in the Super Bowl. I know it was the 85 season, but it happened in 86. Still, Just remember that. Right. But we were still getting over 84 at that point. It was yeah. very, that was tough. And Beto, just imagine, think Derek Rose times a thousand. You, you go to bed one night, bulls are on the West coast. You, you sit down at the Carmen breakfast table and the tribune is put in, in front of you by Papa Fred. And it says Jordan broken foot out four to six oh. weeks. At th- at three and oh, it was it was life was life was life was tough right there. It was a very hard day to go to Edgewood Junior High School. I blame both Fred and Gladys Carmen for sending me to school that day. How the hell was I supposed to function in social studies after Jordan broke his foot against the Warriors? I, I needed to go to Wilmington, North Carolina and start rehabbing with MJ. Dude, but, but, you should have. That would have helped him. I think he would have appreciated it. Seven and nine team, only two and a half back. Any final thoughts here that you wanted to touch on today that we didn't hit? World Series. World Series. Retweet. I've got uh, uh, a Soriano that's hitting around 400 off of Phoebe. I've got uh, 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 a Fukudomi. got a lot of people here that haven't managed and won any games in the big leagues but they know everything you know they really do i think they should try to put the uniform on and try this job and see how 
how uh, uh, how they like it. This program was recorded on tape for a live audience. But I, I, I get tired of, 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 of being nitpicked and I get tired of being criticized unjustly. Why don't they talk to me first before they do it? same way that I get called ridiculous, mm -hmm. they're ridiculous in the way they report things too. You saw uh, Jake Peavy in the National League probably. Uh, yes. And are you surprised that he's uh, struggled a little bit in the, in the AL? And another thing I'm going to say, no. I've won over 1,800 games in the manager and I'm not a damn dummy. But I'm tired of it. You know, and Steve Stone, he's got enough problems doing what he does with the White Sox. What job has he had in baseball besides talking on the on 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 on, on television? You know, I'm tired of some of these guys. I really am. That's it. Now let's go to baseball. Okay. I was asking about Jake Peavy. Huh? Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save